Welcome all you good movie buddies to the Popcorn Diet, a podcast for those who live on a steady diet of movie theater popcorn and other movie snacks like prehistoric, gigantic prehistoric fish sticks. As always, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson, and with us as usual is our other good movie buddy, the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn. David, how you doing today? Uh, I am doing great. How's your tongue? I got a little bit of nun tongue. You got, you, you, yeah. But uh, you're having an allergic. Uh, if if anybody's concerned about the way that you sound, I have maybe have a possible allergic reaction. But for the good of the podcast, I'm going to continue doing soldiers this. forth as as per usual. But one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to stay out of the water. Oh my god. Okay, so yeah, we won't get into it yet. But I, that brings up a very good point and. <laughs> I think I will also stay out of the water. I have, I've, I, I am somebody who long believes in not messing with the ocean. All right. Now I like going to the beach. I've gone down to Mexico plenty of times as a kid. Go down to Rocky Point. It's like a family pastime. It's a friend pastime. Do it all the time. I'll go on a cruise, but like you ain't gonna get me. Will you get past the point where your feet can hit the bottom? Uh, no. 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 No, no, that's an easy one. In the ocean, no. No body surfing for no. you. No. If we're in the cruise, if, if no. we're if we were in the middle of the ocean and the cruise is like, come down to like this deck and you can s- swim in the like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I don't mess with the ocean, and that is because there are things in the ocean that can eat me. Mm-hmm. And and there are and then, you know it's not just the ocean. There are things in in there are plenty of things in the in the you know uh, on land that can eat you. You know, bears and shit. Uh, but the ocean is just another a whole nother world down there. And it's appropriate that we're talking about the ocean because we're talking about one of our most anticipated movies of the summer. We're talking about The Meg. It's Jason Statham versus The Meg. Woo! Which we, <laughs> you should have just called it that. Like, if you would have just... <laughs> Statham versus The Meg, I think, would have done... Uh, they should have done some fun teaser ones that were like almost like boxing, like you know. Ooh, I like that. Statham versus the some, Meg. Some fun marketing there. So, but before we get into talking about the Meg as a film, I did want to talk because we, we we about a year ago when we you know a little more than a year ago when we started the podcast, uh, we one of our first episodes was on. It might have even been our first episode was on the Tom Cruise, the Mummy. And we, those were when our episodes were a little bit longer, and mm-hmm. we talked a lot about monster movies. Mm-hmm. And one of those um, kind of offshoots of monster movie is the Animal Attack movie. It's the the nature run amok film. Mm-hmm. And I know for me, that is one of my favorite types of film. Um. I don't know if I could call it like my favorite type of horror film, but if there is an animal on the loose eating people and there are other people trying to stop it, I will be there for it. (laughs) Do you feel the same way? You know, they're great popcorn movies. They're great. I'm not going in expecting a masterpiece. I just want to go and be entertained. It's a movie that I've... Honestly, as long as they're not too obnoxious, I've got no problem with people talking during the movie. Enjoy it. Talk about its ridiculousness. <laughs> like, again, within reason. But, like, it's not one where I'm like, everybody be quiet. Take this seriously. Like, so, yeah. take it for what it is. Especially when at the showing that we were at, there was somebody in the front row who kept turning their phone on. Mm-hmm. Which, again, and I know I've said this before, but if you're in a movie theater... Like, number one, don't take out your phone. But number two, at least have the common damn courtesy to realize that you're in the front row and the entire theater can see you, you you, you selfish prick. <laughs> um, because, like, sometimes, like, when you're sitting in, like, a, like a, a, a recliner theater and it's stadium seating, like, you mm-hmm. can't see the seat in front of you. Sure. So if you got your phone on dim and you got to check it for whatever, fine. But if you're in the front row of a recliner and you're laying back and you're holding your phone up like you're in your bed at home, everyone can see it. Anyways, happened a couple times, but I felt just as you did, it didn't really warrant. A I mean, we had to. a child in there that was talking to his parents. 
somewhat a small loudly. child, yes. a small child, which that's a whole nother topic. Um, there is. So before we we digress, um, what what is? I mean, obviously, the animal attack movie has gone has been around for forever, and you mm-hmm. can go back to even like the giant animals of King Kong, or you can go to the mother of all animal attack movies, Jaws. That was the one that is literally the most prestigious. It's the one that everybody tries to. Um, I I don't even know if they try to meet it, um, but it's the one that everybody compares everything to. Sure. Every animal attack movie is Jaws on something. It's like Die Hard. Die Hard set the standard for action movies. Mm-hmm. So you get Die Hard on a boat. You get Die Hard on a train. You get Die Hard on a bus. Every animal attack movie after Jaws was Jaws with something. Right. Jaws with an alligator, Jaws with piranha, Jaws with spiders, whatever it may be. But like, obviously, Jaws is the king Mac Daddy of them all. But then you get like your other shark movies. You get your deep blue seas, the shallows, your open waters, your 47 meters down. And then you get like Orca, which was one of my favorite ones growing up, which is a killer, killer whale. Uh, Piranha, all versions of Piranha. Anaconda, Mm -hmm. Lake Placid. Yep. Arachnophobia. And there are rising and falling levels of quality there. So what do you think makes a good or even good? That's not a great word to use. But what do you think makes an enjoyable animal attack movie? Like if you had to put together the pieces of an animal attack movie, what do you think makes it good? And we could analyze Jaws and what makes that good. Um, but I'm interested to hear your thoughts about it because I have my own thoughts naturally. Well, I think first and foremost, it's whatever the thing is. Okay. Um, whether it's a shark, whether it's a big snake, whatever it be, um, it has to be something legitimately terrifying. Like, yeah. Like or it at does, the very it, least, interesting. It doesn't even have to look good on screen. I mean, that's a bonus. But there's plenty of <laughs> movies where the big thing doesn't look that great on screen. Yeah. Um, but it needs to be something ridiculous. Okay. Um, I think the ones that are, like, super scary are the ones where they, like, go for, like, something that's super real. Like, Okay. Because you've got two corners, right? You've got the more realistic ones, like a Jaws, like... It was a big shark, but... But that was based on an actual event. Exactly. Right. So, like, everybody's fear, or a lot of people's fear when you're in open water, is sharks. Yeah. Um, I can't see under the surface. There's a whole world of man-eaters under me. Anaconda. Like, people are terrified of snakes. Granted, there's not one that ginormous. Sure. But, like, it plays to people's fear of snakes. Arachnophobia was one that, that... Exactly. That one got me. But I don't, then, I don't. But then like you have spiders. something like Piranha, which don't get me wrong. Not that everybody's a big fan of Piranha, but I don't think most people have like nightmares about piranhas. Sure, we don't come into para- into <laughs> into contact with piranhas. <laughs> sure, unless you live in Brazil or something. Sure, um, sure, that's interesting. Okay, so I think that's a big part. And then you have the ones where you have like these genetically modified versions of things. Right. Like you've got like the deep blue sea. Um, I think Shallows is another one that plays to like the realism of like very much so. The the shark isn't anything special other than it's a shark. Right. It's more the circumstances that makes it. So I think um I think that what it is plays a big part into it. Okay. Um but I think also the the situation that you're put into, the tension that it builds, okay. um, the circumstances. Um I got a good one for you. Have you ever heard of the film Razorback? I've heard of the film. So that's kind of going back. We should mention Razorback because that is Jaws with a wild Australian boar mm-hmm. in the Australian outback. It is – and it is a, a gig- – it's like the size of a like a VW bug. It's a gigantic one, but it's actually not a bad film. It's not a poor – like a badly made film. It's It's moody. Um, but that's kind of reminds me of like I'm trying to think of all of the different nature run amuck examples well, and how far it has been stretched. Listen, there's I did a little bit of research and and we've got some different categories of ones. Okay, um, like there's the best 
killer rat movie. So we've had <laughs> movies with killer rats. Uh, that one was of unknown origin is the movie. Uh, have you seen of I unknown origin? I don't even know what that is. Well, he uh, the the person who directed it actually directed Tombstone and, George, Stal- and Stallone's Cobra. George uh <laughs> Costamos, George Costamos. You like how I can make that pull? Cosmatos. Cosmatos. Sorry. Um, Yeah. So you had that, but then you also had things like, do you remember Willard? I do remember both versions of Willard. I remember both versions of Willard. Um, Cujo. You got Cujo. Well, and then there's. You probably would never guessed, but there's a whole genre of killer dog movies. Uh huh. So you got ones like The Pack. And Baxter, <laughs> Jesus. So and and no, I don't know all these by heart. These are all sure. off of research. Um, like you mentioned, Cujo, obviously. Uh huh. Um, you've got the Killer Croc ones, like Alligator. Um, you've got Ro- so that's actually Lake Placid, Blackwater, Rogue. Um, yep. Yeah, so that's super interesting because, like, going off of not just the uh, the animal itself. I think a big um, thing that makes these movies successful or not successful is the goal of the film. Because, like, you take, for example, Killer Croc or Gator movies. Some of them are, like, kind of goofy. Like, Lake Placid it plays more as, like, a comedy that has a small body count than it does a scary movie. But then you take the movie Rogue, and Rogue was directed by um, Australian director Greg McLean, who directed Wolf Creek. And that is a genuinely, like, unnerving movie. And when he made Rogue, like, it's surprisingly tense. And it's a story of tourists who ends up stranded in a swamp with a crocodile getting at them. And so I think that intent is very important with these movies. Sure. Um, And this is almost a reason, I think intent is one of the reasons that the stupid Sharknado movies have become so successful. Because those movies are are essentially parodies Mm -hmm. and, and, and to their credit, they've just leaned the hell into them. Sure. Um, but you, and the same thing is true of like a jaws, like the intent of jaws is to make a unnerving, scary film, Mm -hmm. but the intent of, uh, you know, a, let's use a piranha 3d, if you Mm -hmm. will, which I would argue is a great film because of its intent. It it is an, and I know you would argue against this, <laughs> but I would argue that uh, Alexander Aha, who directed it, and I don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right, it's A J A, so it's Aha or Aja or whatever. He went out with a purpose of making a tongue in cheek, um, throwback, you know, um, nudity, crude, bloody as hell, violence throwback to these animal attack movies and it has all of that like it has amazing gore effects it has ridiculous nudity uh uh jerry o'connell's dick gets bitten off like it's um it has richard dreyfus at the beginning Mm -hmm. acting like the character from jaws that movie knows what it is (laughs) and it does great at it um and i think that that's really important too sure and I think the stuff like body counts is important. I think the way the kills are are shown are important because mm-hmm. nobody just wants to see a, a shark movie that's just people getting pulled underwater. Yeah. That's not – especially if you can't make it suspenseful. Mm-hmm. Like if you do that, it better be one suspenseful-ass movie mm-hmm. if you're not going to get some action in there. Um, I think some of the things that make the prestige movie so good is the actual good stuff. Like one of the things that makes Jaws so good – are the characters and the way Brody interacts with his family and interacts with his town and interacts with the people around him. That's actual good stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I mean, hell, I, I would never, I'm not comparing these two, but like a Lake Placid, I think a Lake Placid does the back and forth dialogue. I mean, it's written by David E. Kelly. The motherfucker wrote Ally McBeal. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> and he wrote a, a Lake Placid, and that d- does dialogue really, really well. Yeah, well, and I think you even get like a Deep Blue Sea where, you know, we're not calling it a prestige film, but Hell you get no. you get some 
memorable characters from it. LL Cool J's LL Cool character. J, Sam Jackson. Yep. So you get some memorable characters from it. It's not just strictly because there's plenty of films where, I mean, you can go to Anaconda or whichever one you want to pick. Sure. Like, there's a lot of people that die in that film that are just like random part of the group type there's of Owen deaths, Wilson. You yeah. Know? Uh, whereas, you know, movies like Jaws, Deep Blue Sea, even some of the other ones. Like arachnophobia. You get to know the characters a little bit more before they start. Granted, you always have just the random casualties that set up that this is a killer animal (laughs) of sorts. Yeah. Um, But you get a little bit more meaning to some of the kills because you have a little bit more invested in them. Sure. But at the end of the day, you know, one of the things about these movies is, you know, they look for those reactions, those jumps. Get people sure. in their seats to jump. Sure. You know, get the the moment of surprise, the cringing of I know something's about to happen. Even if they laugh after it. Yeah. Like- but I think that's that's where, like for me, I enjoy these films more than I enjoy like your typical horror movie where sure. like some guy's gonna come and just stab this person <laughs> to death, you know, and bludgeon them. There's something about an animal movie that makes it less, I guess, I'm not going to say scary, but like well, easier to take because you can be like, ah, whatever. Like, sure. There's not, I'm not going to walk outside and there'd be like a crazy shark where <laughs> there could potentially be a crazy with a knife or something. Sure, yeah. Like there's a certain amount of like realism and escapism where like, yes, yeah, sharks do attack people on occasion or people get eaten by bears. Like there are animals in this world that can eat you. But, like, the odds of you in your suburbs running into anything that can eat you is – is if, if that happens, you are very unlucky. Yes. Um, and so that kind of – I, I kind of want to take that and I want to talk about Meg. Not the movie yet. I do – I did a little research. I'm very familiar with this movie because this movie has been in development for over 10 years. Uh, it was actually – um, a books it's it's and it still is a book series by Steve Alton and it started as Meg, a novel of deep terror, and then it turned into the trench, and then it he literally has just made his living writing these Meg movies, and or I'm sorry novels excuse me, and there are seven of these things seven of them that exist. With an eighth one on the way. There are as many Meg books as there are Harry Potter books. There are double the amount of of Meg books than there are uh, Hunger Games books. And I read a few of them. I think I, I believe if I remember correctly, I read three. I've read three of them, um, which is more than my average. And um, the thing about these books is they are bananas. The first couple start out. Almost like, you know, your play on Jaws, your little, they're almost like, and again, I mean, it's hard not to describe it, but the book even reads like a cross between Jurassic Park and Jaws. Um, And they get crazy. Like they are, by the third one, there's other prehistoric sea creatures. There's Mosasauruses and other Chronosauruses and other types of creatures that are being discovered in the ocean. And, and naturally people were trying to make this into a film and like i said it's been in development for over 10 years back in 2005 um there was word that new line was actually gearing up to make it with uh jan debont who directed speed who directed speed to cruise control directed twister he was scheduled to be the director and guillermo del toro was signed up as a producer and obviously that never happened that fell through and then Later after that, uh, eh, I'd say about probably 2014, 2015, there was word that Eli Roth was going to be the director, which is super interesting because Eli Roth did the Hostel movies. He did the Green Inferno, which is a cannibal movie. Like he was known for his gore, his horror. And so that was super interesting. But that fell through. And then they brought on John Turtletaub to direct it. And I don't know if you know much about John Turtletaub, David, but... This guy does not exactly have the the bona fides, if you will. He does not have the screen credits to to be the type of person that you would expect to direct this film. Um, just to throw off some of his movies. What you probably know him most for is the director of the two 
National Treasure films. Nope. That's not what I know him for. You you probably uh, uh okay, all right. I'm interested in this. Um he uh, we got to go all the way back. Let's just go all the way back. I'm not just Three Ninjas. Yep, that's what I remember him for. This dude directed Three Ninjas. I he, was quoting that before we went into the movie. I know, which I thought was really <laughs> funny. Uh, he directed Cool Runnings. Also fantastic. He directed Disney's The Kid with Bruce Willis. Eh, it was all right. He directed Last Vegas with Morgan Freeman, the the, the old terrible. guys in terrible. Vegas. Legitimately terrible. Legitimately terrible. What? See, Who? Perfect, what? Perfect rem- Perfect. Uh, Perfect choice for this movie, and and you know what? Maybe I, you know, I don't know John Turtle Tom. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the guy, right? I, I, I certainly don't talk to him. But maybe he was the guy who grew up on Jaws. Oh, I love Jaws, but those weren't the movies that he got into making. And maybe he was given the opportunity to pitch this movie, and the producers just liked his pitch the most. But that is a a crazy filmography for a guy who's directing Jason Statham. Versus a giant prehistoric shark. Mm-hmm. That is wild to me. That the guy who directed Three Ninjas, Cool Runnings, Disney's The Kid, and Last Vegas has now the Meg in his filmography. Part of that is worrisome because I, I was worried that the Meg would come off a little more generic because of that. And I feel like maybe it does a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wanted to put that out there before we gave our, our reactions to the Meg. So let's talk non-spoilers about the film. For those of you who don't know, it's Jason Statham versus a giant prehistoric megalodon shark. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much all you need to know. Um, David, let's get your initial thoughts. How, what were you expecting coming in, and how did you feel coming out without any spoilers? So I think going in, I expected your your normal animal attack movie, but I knew... A lot of the focus, because it's a Statham movie, would have to be on Statham versus the shark. Naturally, um, you can't just have Statham like just be a character within there, <laughs> or or even come off as like an average citizen. So right. um, he's got to be the best. He's got to be the best at, at whatever I, he does. I need the and, best. In, and in this case, without getting into too much spoilers, he's the best at underwater rescues, basically. Yeah. So. <laughs> Uh, naturally, going into it, he's the only man who's done it. <laughs> I was pumped about Jason Statham because I am a self, I am a unashamed Jason Statham fan. Of course, leader of the fan club. Good, good, good friend, good movie buddy, good friend absolutely, of the podcast. Absolutely. So, um, but I mean, I didn't really have a whole lot of expect expectations as far as how the movie would go. I expected, you know, a decent body count. Um, I would say. There's less than what I expected. Okay. Um, from the main characters, I'll say. Okay. Um, but I think it delivered on pretty much what I expected. Again, I think um, there could have been a little bit more twists than there was. Sure. I'd say there's one big one, maybe. Okay. Um, but it was pretty straightforward. I mean, it was. It's nothing that's crazy original or anything sure. like that. We got some. Uh, a couple of good memorable shots, but um, overall, I think it's it, it's what you expect from it. It's sure. nothing more. It's probably not a whole lot less. Sure. So it was enjoyable. I enjoyed my whatever hour and thirty minutes. Thirty minutes. If it was anything longer than that, then how long? How long is this movie? Hour, almost two oh hours. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, Jesus. almost two hours. See, <laughs> you know, it just flies right along. That is unfortunate. Um, that is 10, 11 <laughs> minutes longer than the last movie we saw. Oh well, that is true. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, you're never gonna walk away from an animal attack movie being like, you know, what those performances were just phenomenal in that animal attack movie, unless sure. obviously you have your exceptions. Jaws is an exception. Yeah, but. After Jaws, I mean, what are you going? I mean, unless you count the Revenant as a you count the Revenant or movie. the Edge, the Edge, okay. Like, but again, these are the only one how animal. Many, it's one guy in that movie, yeah. though. So, so I don't, I don't really put it as quite as, okay. as the same category. But yeah, like I said, I enjoyed it. It's a good, good popcorn movie. Sure, it's definitely a popcorn movie. I, I would agree. I would, eh, I, I did not have as much fun as I would like to have had. Uh, I still had fun. It was still a good time. 
Got ev- got pretty much. I got like some of the key things that I wanted out of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I do kind of hope and wish that someday somebody, some studio or some director with a vision, comes to a studio and says, "I want to make like a legitimately scary animal attack film again," um, because that would be super. I would I would just like to see if it could be done anymore. You know. Um, and that has to be style, substance. It do, has to be everything. Do you think it's partly because of the not that this day and age of filmmaking shies away from anything? But sure. Do you think it's because of the bar that Jaws set that like no one wants to go out there and try to make another prestige film that's trying to be like Jaws because it'll just get measured naturally, like you've said, sure. against Jaws, whereas. If you go for this, like people will take it exactly what it was, and, sure. and yes, you'll have those things where you pay homage to, to Jaws, but no one's going in expecting Jaws. Right. Well, yes and no. I just I don't think you get a movie like that anymore that is as big of a success. Like we listed off a couple of those movies, like Open Water and uh, Rogue. That do, and even The Shallows to an extent. I really enjoyed The Shallows. And those movies play it straight. Like, those movies do play it for suspense, and they are relatively successful at it. Um, But they're just not, they're massive. They're not like an it-level hit, you know? They're not like a Quiet Place-level hit. Although The Quiet Place, one could could argue, is, you know, a a monster movie Mm -hmm. that plays it really simple, really straight, and does it right. But it's not... Than necessarily an animal attack movie. This movie, a giant prehistoric shark. There is no chance of playing this straight. Let's be very <laughs> no. clear. So I want it to be clear that I did not expect this movie to play it straight going <laughs> going in. I did not expect the second the trailer has Statham going. It's a megalodon. Um, I'm in. I know what you're trying to do, and I accept it and I respect Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Um, I thought that this movie was, again, a lot of fun. It delivered on a lot of things that I was looking for, but I thought it missed a couple of key components. Number one, I feel like it missed, and I don't think this is a spoiler because we're not getting into specifics here, but it really missed a good money shot of the shark. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, it, like it, there's a lot of cuts. It's very fast, quickly edited film when, when it comes to the shark stuff, and you really just didn't have that good, really clear money shot. Um, that you were looking for, we just get to see the monster in all his glory. Which is interesting because you know they actually made like an actual I prop saw, shark. I saw it and I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> um, it's fun to see the that, that shark in the context of the movie because you know what shark that was. Yes. Um, and the second thing is that it just it wasn't as violent as I. I mean, it's a PG thirteen movie. I totally understand that. It wasn't as violent as I would have liked for it to be. It didn't have the memorable kills that I was looking for. And remember, like, just like a severed limb isn't an R rating. Like, you look at Jurassic Park. It's a PG-13 movie that's got some really memorable kills in it. You look at even Jurassic World, which we saw earlier this year. That movie is very violent. That Mm -hmm. has numerous dismemberings and disembowelments and whatever. PG-13, and this just really, I felt, was lacking in that department. In the movie's defense, it's kind of hard to get, like, those precision-type gore effects with a megalodon. By nature, it's so big that its mouth is just a gigantic black hole of death. And I I understand that. Um, It's going to be difficult to have a partial kill like a lot of these animal attack movies have. Right. Normally they have someone who's severely maimed. And yes, maybe they, I want some like bitten maybe, half and cr- uh, Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like that's, like that's typically uh, a, a normal characteristic of these films. Right. Like you get to watch someone die slowly, basically. Right, right. And it's kind of hard to do here. Kind of hard to do when. But I did read um, a couple of interviews, both with Turtle Tom and with Statham. That said, they had planned to make this like cuckoo bananas gory. Mm-hmm. So I am praying to God that they release some type of R-rated cut or some type <laughs> like I'm because like that's kind of like Die Hard did that where they did Live mm-hmm. Free or Die Hard and they did a PG thirteen theatrical cut and it was okay, but then they did an R-rated um, release and it had more cursing. It was a little more violent and. I know that it doesn't sound like that can make a movie, but to me, that would make this movie. 
Statham is Statham. He's hilarious in it. He's great in it. There's a running bit that we'll talk about in spoilers that you and I just kept laughing at. <laughs> um, the rest of the cast is perfectly fine. You get the comic relief black guy. You get the big, lovable, cuddly, bearded guy. You get the serious Asian people. This movie's going to make a lot of money in China. It is. Um, and that's an interesting question, David, is, is obviously with... Um, a lot of these blockbusters that have had very medium, you know, very, very uh, moderate success in America, you see massive success overseas. The Rock is one of the people who takes advantage of that, where Rampage made about $99 million, but it made 300 overseas. Skyscraper, same thing. That movie's going to pull in at around $75 million. Um, domestic, but it's going to make $350 million overseas. Vin Diesel's really good at it, like Triple X 2, 3, The Return of Xander Cage. 3. That movie made like, I don't know, $60 million here, and it made like $450 million o- overseas just internationally. How much do you, like, if you had to, I'm curious, if you had to throw out a box office prediction, final gross domestic and worldwide for the Meg, what would you predict? Well, and I think you know before, we like I, doing this. before I answer that, I think to some point, sometimes these that may play an influence influence in where they went with it. Sure. I, don't, I don't know that the over the top gore would play well in China. That's true. Whereas a fair point, it may get an R rating in in China. You sure. Know? So they may have to, knowing that their their bigger audience is going to be international. Chinese are soft. They may they may decide that. You know what? We gotta we gotta target to the audience that's really gonna show Popcorn up. Popcorn diet's go gonna to... start an international incident with the Chinese being soft. Okay, so with that being said, this movie costs approximately 150 million to make, and it needs to be said, this movie looks like a like it costs a lot of money to make. Yeah, like this movie looks great. It the does. sets are great. The 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 the, the sub design, the set design, like this movie looks like it. It, it, it costs money good. to make. Yeah, it's it's not like a lot of animal attack movies where you look at it and you're like, okay, yeah, I know what I'm seeing. I know why this costs twenty million dollars. Yes. Um, I would <laughs> estimate. I'm gonna say, domestically here in the states, we're gonna to get to 55 million. Ooh, okay. Maybe 60. Okay. Um, worldwide, I'm gonna go 310. 310. All right. I had it a little bit higher. I had. I. I am guessing. I'm throwing it out at around 75. I think it makes anywhere between 20 and 25 this weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe a little more, like twenty to twenty-seven. Maybe I don't know, um, but I think it hits four hundred worldwide. I think I think you're gonna see this movie total worldwide go north of four hundred. Maybe we'll see. Um, so yeah, so uh, if we had to give it a popcorn rating, remember that our popcorn ratings are a little bit unique. We have our five popcorn ratings. We have the burnt popcorn, which is mean avoided at all costs, don't pay money for it. We have stale popcorn, which is you know, wait for it to stream, rent it on Redbox. We have the microwave popcorn, which is, you know, if you want to rent it, if you want to go see it in the movie theater, like that's fine. Sure. It's perfectly fine. There are worse ways to spend your time. We have the movie theater popcorn, which is go see this in a theater, whether it be now, whether it be a week from now, take the time to go spend the money for the theater experience. And then we have Perfect Popcorn, which is go see this in the biggest theater as soon as possible. What is your popcorn rating for The Meg? Well, I'm always biased whenever it's Statham. It's but true. I'm going I'm going three. Okay. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna be realistic about what this is. Okay. Um I think if you like these type of movies, if you like Statham, if you like animal attack movies, see it in theaters. You'll enjoy it. Sure. Um, obviously, you don't need to rush out and see it this weekend, but you'll enjoy seeing it in a theater, I think, versus going home and watching it there. If you're not as into these types of films or you have a hard time with films that aren't, <laughs> you know, don't have a ton of depth to them or no whatever you want to say, um, <laughs> then... Don't go and see it in the theaters. Don't go and ex- expect something great. Um, you're probably good just streaming it, just, renting yeah, it, Yeah, don't go expect characters. Don't go and expect plot. Although this movie has a little bit more plot and character than I expected. I'm going to probably give it three as well. I considered giving it three popcorns and a, and a Coke. Um, but 
It is the things that it does well, it does pretty damn well. Mm-hmm. Um, the things that it fails at, it's pretty glaring. It's it's a disappointment. It is a fun movie. Um, it's just not as fun as it could have been. It knows what it is, 100% knows what it is. Uh, it makes references to plenty of of Jaws. It makes plenty of Jaws references. Mm-hmm. It basically says, like, you know Jaws, but bigger and yeah. with a bunch of budget. Yep. You know, uh, uh, people on the beach, boats, whatever. There's a ton of references that I caught Just to it. Just keep swimming. Um, yeah, Finding Nemo for that yeah. matter. So, you know, like like you said, I kind of echo what you said. If if you're into this, you'll be into it. If you're not into this, don't bother, I guess. Um, before we get into spoilers a little bit, obviously we always want to remind you that you can subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you're listening to us, whether it be Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, TuneIn. Just do us a favor, hit subscribe. You'll get these podcast episodes weekly delivered right to your ears. Like us, give us a rating, give us a, a piece of feedback, a comment, share us with your friends. We want to, you know, we want to bring as many people on board and and share our love of movies uh, with as many people as possible. Also, you can follow us on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram at the Popcorn Diet, and then all of our latest reviews, all of our articles, and all of our latest podcast episodes can be found on our website, popcorndietpodcast.com. But we're gonna get into a little bit of spoilers for a little bit. I don't. I mean, I don't know that we'll get too much into this, David. Um, but spoiler, spoiler wise, um, I don't even know where to start with the spoilers. I, I will say, let's talk about the things I appreciated. Okay. Let's talk about the things we appreciated. You and I, the second this trailer came out, we wanted some some hand to hand combat, some Statham Statham versus Jar- Shark hand to hand combat, and by God, did we get it? Yep. And I, <laughs> I was actually fairly impressed with the way that we got to it at the very end of the film when he cuts the shark open and the shark's biting on his sub and he gets out and he's like punching and fucking stabbing it and stuff like that i enjoyed that did you enjoy it was that what was that kind of what you were looking for i did i mean i expected we've got jason statham here he's gonna do a bunch of things that no one in their right (laughs) mind would do with a shark so um, we got that multiple times. Like, obviously, you're referencing the end, which is fantastic yep. and, and exactly what we want. Um, but there's multiple times throughout the movie where you're like, what are you doing? Right. Like, this is ridiculous. Well, there's there's a scene in the middle of the film after they realize that they released the Meg from the murky depths where he literally just goes and swims out. And it it got me for a second. Like, I leaned over and I was like, I do not care for this because he's. <laughs> Floating out in the middle of the ocean, he's like, what, 100 feet away from the boat or whatever. Like, he's by himself. He's tied to the boat. He's got the rope and they got the winch on him and all that. And he's got the tracker spear because they got to try and track the shark. But he's so small that, oh, it won't register you as a threat or some bullshit. I don't know. Well, well, and I think what they did really well in that scene and at a number of different points is the the... So the films that are in the open water that I feel like do the best job of like building that drama are like you get a sense of like the sheer depth and like basically you're at the ocean's mercy. Like you have no way of defending yourself in the middle of this open water. Like you're in their territory and you're screwed if – if they want to do something to you. Yeah. So I think they did a good job of you got almost like the first person view when he gets out into the open water. Yeah. And I enjoyed that because I felt like it created that, that drama that you need or that, uh, that tension that you need in these type of films because you know, it's coming. Yeah. And you get a sense from the like kind of pump fakes and things like that, that like, okay, Something bad's about to happen. <laughs> yeah, I I actually thought that that was one of the most effective scenes in the movies. One of the things that makes Jaws so effective is that for the most part, you stay, you're above the water. Mm-hmm. You can't see into the water. And the only time it cuts down into the water is during the shark's POV until Hooper lowers down into the cage. And now all of a sudden, man is in the shark's domain. And that's when you get that creepy shot of the shark's 
swimming towards you and swimming around the cage and stuff like that. It's, it's a very memorable sequence. This is a little bit different, but I found it to be one of the more effective scenes in film that puts you in the perspective of I'm floating up to my neck in water and there is something underneath me. And when he put the goggles on and just starts like looking underneath, yep. I'm like, I don't like this because nope. he's going to look down. There's going to be nothing there. He's going to look down. There's going to be nothing there. He's going to look down and there it is. <laughs> you fuckers. I knew it was going to come. So that was actually a really, really effective scene. I really enjoyed that. Um, I do wish I liked that they let the shark attack some of the beachgoers. Mm-hmm. Very bloodless, unfortunately. Yes. But I feel like we racked up a double body count, a double uh, double, double digit, digit body, body count, count there. I would agree. Um, a lot of Jaws references in this film, too. Uh, I'm going to try and rem- remember all of them. Um, but particularly the boat being dragged mm-hmm. was, was very reminiscent of Jaws. The shark cage, obviously, a uh, whole Jaws thing. Um, the... Little kid on the beach. Oh, mom, I want to go swimming. No, you don't. You know, whatever. Very reminiscent of Jaws. I even found the way that he dragged the three platforms on the beach to be like the three barrels. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Um, so I, I liked a lot of those references. I appreciated a lot of those references as well. Um, enjoyed that. Cast of characters. Eh. It was all right. It was okay. Um, yeah, I mean, you had... You had some decent names in there. You had Rain Wilson, who's sure. kind of the goofy billionaire. Yeah. Um, I thought he was all right. He was um, all right. He was too much Rain Wilson. Like, I felt like they were trying to make him more, like, he wasn't enough of a dick. Yeah. And I feel like they were trying to make him a dick. Mm-hmm. And he just, it just, I, I don't know if that's Rain Wilson being too nice of a guy. He needed to do more things that put himself in front of, like, everybody else that he was with. Right. Like, he didn't come off as that, like, billionaire that's only concerned about himself. Right. Um, You got that at times. Sure. But, like, you needed that dick move of, like, where he left everybody, like, somewhere. Sure. like Like, you like those archetypes. Like, those archetypes are archetypes and they're broad. But they're also comfortable. Because, like we're familiar with that. Yeah, because I think the reason you need that is like there's at times I feel like in every good animal attack movie where you almost cheer for someone to get it. Right. You know? Right. Um, and there wasn't really anybody in here like that. Yeah, like in Jurassic Park Lost World. Right. Like you the bad want, guy, Ludlow. You want to get you want T Rex to get him at some right. point. And or even it's, the first Jurassic Park, like the lawyer, like yeah, yeah. the lawyer, or even uh, freaking Nedry, yeah, yes, you know. Newman. So I think there's always those. If you're gonna have this quote unquote villain in these types of films, like you need to build it up so sure. that and that kill of them is that much more satisfying. Sure. And again, like you said, it's hard to make really satisfying ones when you've got this larger than life uh, megalodon. Megalodon. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the closest they got to that was the Rain Wilson kill. Sure. Um, when you still saw his hand on the whale. On the whale. When he got it. I appreciated that. Um, the other thing that I did want to mention, what I think was one of was is one of the biggest factors of what makes a film like this less successful than other films, and it's the characters themselves. Um, you look at all of the ones that we listed before, Jaws is mostly regular people dealing with an irregular circumstance. Uh, Even the Piranha movies, um, The Shallows, Deep Blue Sea, not so much. Um, This movie, they are all experts in their fields. They are all engineering whizzes. They are all, you know, underwater rescue specialists. They're scientists. They're all that stuff. These are supposed to be smart people, right? And it feels like at least twice, maybe three times, they have to go very much out of their way in order to get killed, um, particularly with Rain Wilson's death, mm-hmm. where he says, OK, I've alerted all the authorities, which he didn't do. And then he's in a speedboat, which is fucking stupid to be in a speedboat fighting a megalodon. Number one, when you could be in the chopper, you got in the chopper. Just stay in the chopper. Right. And then number three, um, like. The fact that he's standing on the end of the boat 
and like, oh, we got to get out of here. And the boat zooms away and he falls off the boat. It just felt like some some like this is some parody shit. Sure. Like you ha- you are going out of your way to get eaten. Mm-hmm. Um, same thing with the wall. The wall like get out. Why you fall in the water? Great. Quit fucking around in the water. How long was he in that water for? Well, my thing is, is when you had those scenes, there was a couple times where people just messed around in the water, like right. in open water. Like, and maybe it's you and I in our fear of open water, but like, okay, like there's not a megalodon all around. There you. are other there's sharks. There's still sharks that will eat you. You've like, seen them. You don't need a giant prehistoric shark for you to die. No. Like, there's great whites. There's all sorts of sharks that will gladly feast on you right. in open water. There's just something so about get out of the freaking water. There's something about falling out of a boat 200 miles offshore and being perfectly fine with it that I do not relate to. No. In any way shape nope. or form. Nope, nope, nope. Um, I will not so, swim in the middle of the ocean. No, I don't even I won't even ride on a banana boat because <laughs> if I fall off, I will have a panic. I will freak the fuck out, David. <laughs> I have I swear to god because of Jaws the Revenge, I think I maybe have ridden on a banana boat one time in my life. And I will not get on it. It's not my thing. And I don't consider myself somebody who gets irrationally scared at things. But I don't fuck with the water. I don't care for it. I don't like deep water. I don't like dark water. Nope. That's where they'll get you. Nope. Right? Um, I'm trying to think of anything else that we liked. Uh, again, this movie, it looks like a million dollars. Um, listen, there's something we need to talk about though. Okay. So we get the start of the film, your normal hero story of, you know, does everything he can do to rescue the people, but they still die. Uh, It's his friends. He goes into hiding and they got to pull him back. He's got, he's got, he's, he's got the, he's got the guilt. Yeah, he's, so he's got he the used, guilt that sends him away from the game, even to, though he's the best in the game. He used to be the he best. Leaves. Yep. He's gone for five so, years in Thailand. So we got Statham for five years binge drinking in Thailand. Um, binge drinking beer. Not beer. just like out, not just like liquor. Like he's not doing whiskey and he's not doing like clear liquids. He is drinking high caloric beer. Yeah. And the funny thing is, is they don't, <laughs> you know, they, they come to him at the bar and like the waiter or waitress puts the beer, takes the old beer out and puts the new puts one the in. New beer in. And he's laying there like he's passed out. He um, talks to the guy, and the guy's like, You drink too much. And he's like, You're just saying that because I got a beer in my hand. Because <laughs> well, I got a beer in my hand because I drink too much. Yep. Like, okay, it's established. And then when they come get him, he's like, You want a beer? You want a beer? I'm going to have a beer. Like, this motherfucker's doing 12 packs a day. Exactly. Right? And yet, because it's Statham. I think Statham must have a clause in his movies that, look, I'm never getting fat for this film. No. Like, I am who I am. I'm not going to win an Oscar. I know that. Shredded. I'm going to be shredded for this film no matter what. Shredded. And I think, you know, he's just as shredded as as pretty much any of the films that we've seen him in. And listen, I'm a straight white American male, okay? I, I appreciate the female figure. But when you're in a Jason Statham movie and he's walking out in a towel fresh from the shower... I respect that. I understand who that audience is for, and I'm fine. I'm an equal opportunity uh, person in that regard, right? Um, I'm only. I'm a little disappointed with the, us boys didn't get the same thing, but that's okay. Um, but that to me was the moment that I was like, "Oh, the movie's going to start giving us stuff we want now," because uh, the whole like first thirty minutes of that film plays as like a pretty straightforward like deep sea rescue sure. movie and then once they get out of there and the shark comes up then it turns into this movie they go out of their way david they they bring statham out of thailand and bring him to <laughs> bring him to the station and they're like no no you can't go in the sub you got to go visit the doc for a physical and the doc says you are in perfect health <laughs> what the fuck like you have been drinking 12 packs of beer a day for five years, like, what are you doing in your spare time? Just crunches? Like, just cardio? Are you offsetting all of that, like, are offsetting all of that beer? All of that that yeast that you're, you're ingesting? Um, it was it was admittedly funny, but again, I think the movie understands that. I think I would be so, I would go so far as to say that it understands that joke. Like yeah. it understands that 
we've established Jason Statham is this down on his luck guy. We're going to say he's in perfect health, any, health anyways, and he's going to look absolutely jacked. And I, and I appreciate the movie does that. Um, it's really, you and I, you and I leaned over a couple of times and we were just like, this guy's been doing nothing but drinking beers. And he, he looks the way that he does. He's the best. Why? I don't know why. Cause he's gotta be. I also appreciated that they went with the name and they didn't go exactly, but you did Jonas, which yeah. is very close to like Jonah and the whale. It's true. That's actually from the book. So you yeah. give Steve Alton credit there for that. Go. So, Oh, I want to mention one more thing. And I know we we're going a little bit longer than I anticipated, but um, one of the reasons that I, I did find myself slightly underwhelmed by this m- movie is because the books are, like as I mentioned, bananas. All right. Um, literally, like th- there are like in one of the third books, like the 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 Mosasaurus is coming to get them and they are saved by a Megalodon. Like these mo- these books are stupid. It's they're, like Jurassic Park where the T-Rex a- becomes the, exactly, the hero. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and they're not stupid in a bad way. Like they are great for what they are. I love them for it. Um, in the end of the first book, uh, I was very disappointed that they did not go full novel on this because Jonas Taylor, the character Jonas Taylor, he's like ready to die. And so he come and I thought they were going to do this and they didn't. He kamikazes his sub into the Meg's mouth. Puts on, puts on, puts on his gear and cuts out the shark's heart with his bare hands, like literally just cuts through all the arteries until the shark dies. And, and he literally like swims himself out of the Meg. Like, and in this, what he does is he, he's, he basically plays chicken with it and turns the sub and the sub's got a jagged edge on it because it ran into the rocks and he slices the, the, the belly of it open um, and then we get we do get a little hand to hand because then the shark bites the sub and I thought Jatham was gonna uh, Statham was gonna swim inside of it and cut his heart out but instead he starts like knifing it in the face and grabs a big spear and just like shoves it into his eye as the shark jumps out of the water which saved a lot of the movie for oh, yeah. me oh yeah like that you, was pretty awesome you got the payoff that you expect in one of these films so while you didn't get the as many of the iconic kill scenes and things like that, right. you got the ending kill of the animal that you have grown to expect. Like in I'm going to shove this spear in its eye and the rest of the sharks are going to eat it. Yep. I'm into that. Oh, uh, yeah. I was sad. We didn't get a sequel set up like some more baby, baby Megalodon swimming around or whatever. Cause there's seven of these books, David, Look, they, they can make them. Look, they we don't know what all came out in that little gap of time that that's true. It had. I mean, we thought we only had one megalodon too until we realized there was two. That's true. We did get a we did get a bait and switch with the megalodon. We yep. had a smaller megalodon, and then we knew we knew it was coming though. Oh yeah, like you can't kill the megalodon halfway through the meg movie. Absolutely. Um, but you didn't know how many. You didn't know if they were going to go like a right. three type of thing. What if a third one popped out? Like what if, I was thinking of like Piranha 3D where they killed the piranha and then at the very end, the giant piranha comes flying out, which, by the way, never referred to in Piranha 3 Double D. <laughs> I, I believe I'd have my, maybe I'll have to go back and revisit that. We'll see. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So it, it, we, we had a fun time. It's fun time talking about it. Um, uh, it could always be crazier. If, you, if you're going to lean towards the crazy, lean towards the crazy. It could always be crazier. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Popcorn Diet. Uh, as always, you can follow us on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, at The Popcorn Diet. Like, rate, subscribe, wherever you listen to podcasts. Do us a favor and follow us and submit a review. And as always, you can find all of our new reviews, all of our new episodes on our website, the popcorn or just popcorndietpodcast.com. But for the Canadian machine, Mr. David Melhorn, I am your very best good movie buddy, Rick Williamson. And we'll see you next time with another good movie on the Popcorn Diet. I wanted you to pronounce the the wall's actual name. Olaf. Oh, Christ. Olafur Dari Olafsson. Olafur Dari Olafsson. Yeah. Olafur Dari Olafsson. The wall. The wall's a lot easier. The wall. Yeah. Adios.